0: You are listening to the Return of the Mac Podcast. It's is Jay Mac. And today I am going to go through my thoughts that I've accumulated on the movie Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, just came out. Matter of fact, uh, found out this morning that the movie was actually supposed to come out in 2019, um, or it was finished in 2019. It's supposed to come out in spring of 2020, but then COVID hit and threw us all off track. And it through the movie uh, all the way till this year Um, in fact it was actually going to be earlier this year uh, in March and then it got pushed back again to now November and so here we are Um, let me just say before I begin um, you can be assured that in my movie reviews that I will do everything that I can not to spoil it I don't like spoiled endings I don't like Spoiling the big stuff that's in a movie. I, as a movie fan, um, like to uh, experience the movie. Um, So, I don't like spoilers. So, you can rest assured that when I do movie reviews, I will do my best not to spoil at least the big stuff of the movie uh, for you. So, uh, whenever I tell you or I put up a movie review, um, you can be assured that I am doing my very best not to spoil the good stuff. So, uh, having said that, let us begin. The Ghostbusters. Afterlife. Okay, the Ghostbusters. I'm always extremely wary uh, when I'm surfing the web or watching YouTube and I come across a movie trailer for a remake or a long-awaited sequel or a reboot of one of my favorite movie franchises. How Hollywood's become obsessed in recent years with reviving long dead movie franchises with the purpose of either resurrecting the characters or the storyline to cash in the nostalgia points to get people, you know, to get asses in seats. Um, Who remember what I call the new Hollywood renaissance when some of the greatest films in history were ever made between 1980 and 1987. Uh, Movies like Godfather, Death Wish, uh, A Star is Born, Pet Cemetery, Commando, the Crow, Star Wars, Star Trek, The Terminator, and yes, the Ghostbusters. Nowadays, there's, these movies are being remade or rebooted. Ugh. And they've had their stories changed to fit today's supposedly more liberal, social-adjusted-minded audience. Characters are being gender and race-bent to fit a more uh, acceptable, and I'm doing air quotes, appetite, Or original characters are being rewritten and destructed, deconstructed rather, to become old, bitter, cowardly versions of themselves. Completely different than what they were originally made to be or supposed to be. So when some true nostalgic moments have occurred, picture Han and Chewbacca appearing on screen together for the first time in 30 years. In The Force Awakens, it's only meant to really serve as a purpose of getting the old codgers off the couch and into the theater where we can force the new, super awesome, woke, unbeatable Mary Sue characters into the faces and, and then call them mis- misogynistic or homo transphobic when the bland new actors or actresses don't do nothing to come close to what the originals did to add to the zeitgeist of a whole generation of movie fans, myself included. Take, for instance, perfect for instance, the movie Ghostbusters that came out in 2016. So they remake the Ghostbusters movie, the one we all know and love, and they recast all the parts with females. And they turn four moderately to minimally funny comedic actresses loose on camera, and then stood by and watched them implode a lot of what was held dear about the original movie. It contained no heart, no soul, no love for the source material, and it came off as lowbrow, cheap, and uninspired. From the very first trailer, any human with eyes could tell this thing was going to be a disaster, and it absolutely was. Never seen a movie more, m- more universally panned by people before it even got near an audience, an actual live audience in a theater. From the time the first trailer hit YouTube, and it continued to get horrible responses from audiences and reviewers alike, as well as fans of the original franchise who remember how smart, how funny, how thrilling, how well-constructed and well-thought-out the original Ghostbusters movies, and even the sequel, to to an extent, Ghostbusters 2 was. Now, the, thre- the director of the 2016 movie, Kevin Feige, then went on to, to lambast and war with the critics and the fans on a, uh, of the original movie on social media, and calling them names and quote-unquote clapping back. And several movie franchises have suffered the same fate. Star Wars franchise has been thoroughly shredded, shredded and then panned by fans, garnering similar responses from... The directors and the stars of that movies, those movies. So before I go further, though, I want to try and give you an idea of just how big the original movie of the Ghostbusters was. and what the kids today are referring to as the late 1900s, uh, the movie was. This movie was unlike anything that had been on the big screen before that I remember. Ghostbusters premiered in theaters on June 8th, 1984. It was an instant success. It went worldwide, rock- rocketing around the country and then around the globe, become a worldwide cultural phenomenon. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, and Sigourney Weaver. This movie was one of the, one of the first films of the era really to feature a song and an album of its own. And a song that topped the Billboard Top 100 for months on end. And it spawned everything from toys to its own Saturday morning cartoon series, as well as video games, and then a long awaited sequel that didn't do as well but was still pretty good. It made superstars out of its cast, Bill Murray in particular, uh, as well as uh, Dan Aykroyd. It even uh, uh, catapulted Ernie Hudson to start. Which was which was awesome because it was a you know it was a black actor, um, and to have a black actor in a movie that wasn't you know a pimp or a drug dealer or a criminal or one of the ghosts they were trying to crap to to to, to, to trap was was really an awesome uh, and really something out of its out of the ordinary for a movie that was made nineteen eighty five, and not only that Ghostbusters then it became a part of the cultural lexicon. Few people born before 1990 don't light up inside when you ask them the question, who you gonna call? So having said all that, I give you Ghostbusters Afterlife. First of all, the casting, fairly well done. Fairly well done. I would even say significantly well done. Paul Rudd plays a substitute teacher at a middle school in, uh, Somerville, Oklahoma is where it was. Um, this small town. Again, in Somerville, USA. Uh, a mom played by Carrie Coon, who I wondered where I'd seen her before, because she she did a really good job. And I couldn't picture or remember where I'd seen her before. And I found out she played Proxima Midnight in the Avengers saga. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, so she plays a mom who moves to this town with her two kids, uh, a young teenage boy played by um, his name's Trevor, uh, played by Finn Wolfhard, whom I think uh, is part of the Stranger Things franchise and also the It movies. Yes, and then this precocious young Phoebe who's played by this adorable kid called McKenna Grace Uh, now these are the four main cast members there's a a few others who kind of weave their way in and out of the the story Um, but these four uh, they play their parts magnificently well I thought Rudd is his usual awkwardly amusing without going full Will Ferrell self and then uh, Carrie Coon's uh, Callie is demure she's ladylike but she's also strong and well balanced and 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 solid um, as a female character all at once. She does a really good job of balancing um, both parts of her womanhood, for lack of a better term. Um, Her and Paul Rudd, they've got a great chemistry. They play really well off each other. Um, And so that was the foundation. That, as the foundation, character-wise of the story, did the story a lot of favors. Um, the Trevor character, uh, I thought was a bit effeminate, but hey, that's just me. Um, but he's a 15 year old. So a lot of 15 year olds are that way. But he also comes across as surprisingly likable. Um, he's not a jerk. He's not a Mary Sue. Um, but he's also not a a punk. Um, not a pushover. Uh, not a simp. Um, so he's cool. He's a cool kid. Um, what I would imagine most fifty, what I I mean, most fifteen-year-old boys are like that. Um, and then there's Phoebe, who's played by this young Grace uh, the, the McKenna Grace, uh, precocious, uh, as I said before, adorable. Um, she's a little bit of a, of a know-it-all, but she she's able to pull it off without being annoying and overbearing, as a lot of these um, uh, ultra-smart supposedly uh, kid actors are. And so all their dynamics kind of come together really well and the supporting cast again that that, that kind of comes in and out of their story um does a really good job and then the town and the main characters um basically are trying to figure out what's going on in this town uh, around and beneath it uh and what drove one old man to leave his life behind and to go into exile in uh oklahoma now Clearly, as you would expect, there's a few, and I would say a lot, of callbacks to not only the original Ghostbusters film, um, but also to some of the greatest sci-fi and horror films of all times. And so that's something to be to look out for. There're numerous, the callbacks to the original Ghostbusters. Every single one of them will make you smile. Um, you'll laugh out loud at a couple of points. Um, and frankly, there's a couple points where they'll leave you with a lump in your throat. Now, I'm not going to make you think that the movie's not flawed. Um, there's, a, there's a few negatives. But they're not overwhelming. And certainly not to the point that they pull you out of the story. Um, as far as woke parts are concerned you know, identity politics and that sort of thing. There's one or two, that's it, which is awesome. Um, they're one, they're not in your face, which is awesome. And, and, um, you know, so it's, it's not something that you spend a ton of time thinking about very few roll your eyes moments in there. I think there may have been one, but again, I was, I I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it before, you know, we continue on with the story. And that's one of the things that I'm big on in a movie. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have the greatest movie of all time. It doesn't have to be tied together neatly with a bow. It doesn't have to be even that great in terms of plausibility or the story, you know, because again, in this movie, the story is kind of loosely tied together. You know, there's a couple of points in it where if you pull the string, it comes apart, but they tell a good story. And the, 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 for me, the desire to want to continue to follow the story overrides the, 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 the one or two parts where it's like, yeah, what is that all about? You know what I'm saying? So there's a couple of uh, uh, woke parts, um, one significant character in the story. Is race bent? I'll let you figure out that one for yourself. See if you can spot it. Um, But I looked at that and went, hmm, that's interesting. But that's all I did. It didn't, like he said, didn't take away from the movie. Didn't piss me off. Didn't make me not want to watch it again. Because I will watch it again. Uh, The kids in the movie, they're not as portrayed as smarter than the adults. Like some of these new movies tend to want to do. The men in the movie, not emasculated or ridiculed or, you know, told that a, a woman can do it better than they can or, uh, you know, they're not, they're not broken and taken down so that the female characters look smarter or more brave and the established characters of the original films aren't humiliated or ruined in favor of a new breed of heroes forced on the audience. Uh, by the identity, identity politics of the studio executives who's looking at you, Lucasfilm. <clears throat> but it's a great movie. Uh, all in all, Ghost, Ghostbusters Afterlife is proof that Hollywood can actually do both things at once. That's write a movie that has talented, compelling young stars in it while at the same time treating the original characters, storyline, and overall environment of the film With dignity, respect, love, and appreciation. It gives everybody their due. Everybody gets it. Everybody, nobody comes off looking horrible in this movie, which is a good thing. And the cast plays it all perfectly. The story is, again, not necessarily tightly wound, but it's a good story and a great story to tell. Especially in the light of the original Ghostbusters and in that horrible 2016 remake. Now you can certainly tell that the female filmmakers in this film were doing were people rather who knew the source material and also that loved the source material and they loved what they were doing in this movie. At the end of the day, Ghostbusters Afterlife serves as a love a love letter to the fans of the Ghostbusters franchise, to Harold Ramis, who sadly passed away in twenty fourteen. And to Ivan Reitman, the director of the original couple of the, the original uh, two films, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, whose son actually is the person who directed Afterlife. And I uh, was uh, listening to some YouTube video uh, footage today where they interviewed the two of them, and they talked about uh, reviewing the movie together and how emotional it was for them. Uh, not just for the, you know the the Harold Ramis part, but this the the fact that it's the father and the son did it, and the father put his art out there, in the son, um, I think he did a really good job of of um, uh, paying tribute to his dad and to Harold Ramis and to the original Ghostbusters franchise, the fans, the original cast, all that. Um, so it's a great movie, awesome movie. Uh, filmmakers today who determined to uh, make remakes or long awaited sequels or rebooted franchise or reboot much beloved franchise they'll do well to uh, deconstruct this film and and copy the things that, that were done well uh, so that's it that's my review of the Ghostbusters franchise I would say go see it it's a great movie to see it's a great family movie um, there's not uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember I don't think there's too many Uh, Ultra adult parts in it. Uh, The themes are very simple. And easy to understand. It doesn't push identity politics on you. Or try to tell you how to think. Which is a really bad. uh, Thing that a lot of the movies today do. Is to tell you what to think. This movie just lays out the story in front of you. And lets you pull from it what you will. And that's what all the greatest movies of all time. In my opinion do. Doesn't force itself upon you. It just let you go for the ride. This is the Return of the Mac podcast. I'm J-Mac. I thank you for listening as always. I'm going to continue to do this on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. New episodes come out. I missed the last week or so because of the holidays, but I'm back at it. So I'm going to have a new episode for you on Thursday. Again, I thank you for listening. I appreciate you uh, your feedback. If you want to hit me up on Facebook on my personal page, if you want to hit me up on Twitter uh, at Return of the Mac podcast on Twitter, I appreciate that as well. Have a great day.